Okay, so we're back with part two with Martha Buford Green. You know how excited I am. So let's continue this conversation. Martha, are you still there? I'm still here. Okay, so we ended the conversation talking about, uh, we talked about being in the South, looking or participating in Southern activities based on living in the North. And we talked about old school as a whole. But I would like for us to kind of swing over a little bit and talk about the village. We say that a lot in the African-American community. You know, it takes a village to raise a child. And since I've been working on genealogy, I have a different view. And I've learned so much about the village since participating in genealogy. But how do you see the village? How do you define it? What does it mean to you? You know, just give me your broad understanding of the village. I think, for me, the village is a collection of individuals, related and unrelated, Mm. who have a hand in molding and shaping the world around you and giving you the traditions and advice that you need to live life. So the village becomes not just your parents and your aunts and uncles and grandma, granddad. The village becomes your neighbor who watched over you as you played outside, who could spank you if you did something wrong or correct you if you did something wrong. The village was the man in the store that says, um, if something costs that much, go home and, and get the extra penny that you need and I'll sell it to you. Right. So the village became a bigger um, group than just your immediate family. But I look at the village also, Frank, as looking at history and the, what the village meant to African-Americans. You know, the village existed far older than the time that we spent on this side of the water. Mm. The African community was made up of villages. And that village had traditions, had initiations, and rites of passage. Yeah. And maybe some of that was lost as we were forced onto this continent. But what came was a new version of the village carrying some of the old traditions forward to this new land. So I think for me, the village teaches its members and its people the importance of not only the spiritual self, but the connection and the interworkings of families and generations. So how do you assess the village today as opposed to the village as you remember it? I think today I see the village is fragmented. Mm -hmm. It is not as cohesive, even in the South, which surprises me sometimes. Mm -hmm. 
just like you said earlier, we have some family members who can live in the same town and not know they're connected. Right. Which, when I first discovered that, in all honesty, I was flabbergasted. How is it possible that you could grow up not knowing who you're related to? And I thought back to my own family where my mother was told you who was belonged to who and you better know this surname versus that surname right. because if you meet somebody that's got that <laughs> surname, they might be a cousin or grand cousin or brother or I don't you know. Yeah, yeah, you can have that kissing cousin, right? <laughs> and, and I mean I mean I can remember Frank as a little girl jotting down family names. Right. On a on a on an index card. Hmm. So I would know family names that I was related to. So if I got to the age that I was ready to date, uh-uh. <laughs> I look people? at that card and if that name was on the card, forget about it. <laughs> Especially when you, you knew your parents were going to ask the magical question, who's your people? <laughs> <laughs> Not only my parents, my six brothers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the first question out of the elder's mouth would be, Where'd, where'd your parents come from? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they were listening for that name. Certain town? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-uh. Everybody in that town related. And they were listening for that name. Now I'm realizing they were probably asking for that name yeah. because I got a family on that side. <laughs> I have a family on that side of town. Who's your people? <laughs> the ancestor tree. And yeah. so... And they said, yeah, they knew that so-and-so had married into the Joneses. And That's right. You better not be trying to go out with no Jones. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it. I see it as fragmented and that we need to defrag, as they say in the computer term. Mm-hmm. You need to defrag your system. Okay. Right. And sometimes we need to, if we don't want to do the research ourselves, Ask somebody that we know that does the research right. to help us unearth the history. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. One of uh, one of my nephew, my grandnephew. We were te- we were talking one night, and he says, "You know, I know about my mom's people, but I know nothing about my dad's people." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Well, why don't you just tell me what you do know?" Frank, as I researched his father's people, I was able to discover that they came to America in about 1800. Hmm. And part of his family was already here. One side was the father's side, the paternal side had come to America. The maternal side had already been here and they were free people of color. And I found them on the 1850 census. Hmm. So we make an assumption that everybody that came here was not free. Right. Forgetting that there were people who came here and got their freedom very early on in the history of America, sometimes in the 1700s. And those, if they were in the North, they were free. And sometimes if they were in the South, depending upon who they 
were close to, they might have been able to stay free. But it was a learning curve for me because I never expected to find a black person on an 1850 census. Right. But then I had to realize I was looking at the census for New York and the area in which they lived still exists today. And the occupation that they, the one of the sons had, he was a teamster. Hmm. I didn't even realize teamsters went back that far. Right. So he was a union man, what you'd call a union man today. Right. And teamsters grew out of the fact that you used to drive a team of horses carrying cargo. Carrying what? Cargo. Oh, yeah? Goods. Goods. Mm -hmm. Like if you went to the docks and you picked up all the barrels of flour and you know goods that the, the merchants needed. Right. And you had your team of horses and you delivered those things, you were a teamster. Hmm. So now we see it as a gangster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mafia. Yeah, yeah. Because we don't know the original meaning of it. Right. So that's the reason why sometimes it's important to try to find out have the curiosity to want to know good or bad what you can prove about your existence and your family's existence you might be surprised like they were when I handed over that report they were all in shock mm-hmm. and I'm by no means a, an expert at genealogy mm-hmm. but I was persistent in finding information and that persistence allowed me to piece together the history that they didn't know the substance of, but they had all the names and facts because it had been passed down to them verbally. Some parts of the family had passed it down verbally, just not to my grandnephew. So do you feel old school because you have this knowledge? about your ancestry does that make you feel old school certainly mm-hmm. I think I'm old school because old school to me like I said is understanding the history and traditions right and that understanding for me goes back to 1770 mm-hmm. many people I don't know if they've done the research but certainly they can go back to 1870 and if you can find your family member in 1870 census that's a long history right there right and that's something to be proud of when you think that most people came to America in waves after that point most of white America wasn't here in 1870 that you see currently today, they're new. They're newcomers. They came after World War One, World War Two, and now we have new ones coming as a result of the war that's currently being fought in Europe. So, but they're going. Those people are going to bring their traditions, aren't they? Yeah, that's true. They're going to become American, but they're going to carry forward those same rituals and traditions that they did in Ukraine. So what do you recall as something that you did within your family that you 
thought was funny, something that you would share during family reunions or whatever, and you would repeat that story all of the time and never thought about it based on history? I think one of the things that I was a family joke mm-hmm. that became apparent is one day my mother disciplined me. Mm-hmm. And I was very upset at being disciplined because I was a child that didn't like to be disciplined. Mm-hmm. And I looked at her through these teary eyes and I said, you're nothing but an overseer. <laughs> and you live to survive. <laughs> I, I, I think she's so shocked. She must have been a shock. Yeah. Because she just looked at me and she said, you have no idea what overseer is. Right. Okay. And then later, of course... <laughs> When, when everything was settled, I forgot I had been punished. <laughs> she, she reminded me. And she told me what an overseer did. Right. <laughs> but my brothers, of course, all, you know, my brothers got, everybody found out that I had done this and said this. <laughs> so every time there was a family reunion, <laughs> the story would come up of how this little one got away with saying that our mom was an overseer. Yeah. You know? And I think the other funny story that comes up in my family is that the discovery that one day we discovered my mother's name. Mm. You know, I don't know why, you know, we don't, kids, it's just mom. Right. Or mommy, okay? And one day we discovered my mother's name was Mary. And one of my brothers decided to (laughs) call her by her name. And we're all sitting at the dinner table. She says, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> and my mother is this little short, four foot ten woman, brown skin, gray eyes. And she looked at him with them fiery gray eyes. And she said, To you, I'm mama. <laughs> yeah, go back to mama. <laughs> don't, don't, don't mistake Mary for mama. Yeah. So those are two of the stories I think that pass through our family that cause a lot of people to laugh and, and, and you know, have a a bit of fun mm-hmm. as we got older, right. you know? But I, I, I'm still having to live down the overseer thing. I can imagine. It's a wonder you you couldn't show some mark on your arm or a broken thumb. <laughs> look, 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 look. I think the only reason why I got away with it is as I got older and I took care of my mom, I came to realize that I must, in her mind, have reminded her of herself. Right. And, you know, I'm sure she went in the room and laughed mm-hmm. because um, no one had the nerve to do that. Right. And I was the smallest thing. Frank, I was so small I could walk under the kitchen table. Wow. I was so small that the cat, when he stood on two legs, we were the same height. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, that is small. So... <laughs> So this little person with this head that came out with this word, I don't know where I got it from, to tell you the truth. <laughs> but I came out with overseer. And so you, I think it was my size that saved me and the fact that I probably reminded my mom of herself. <laughs> That's why I didn't die that day, because she would normally was that <laughs> Because you didn't die that day. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get executed that day. My hey. brothers 
made a made a joke out of that. Yeah. They said you got a lot of guts because you said the mom shoes always. I said I did what? She said yeah. You mom shoes always see them. So if but if you had a lesson to to share, this is your opportunity to talk to young people, and that could be in age group that's younger than you. Mm-hmm. To talk to young people and get them to understand the importance of old school, the importance of the village. How would you, how would your message sound? What would you say? Oh, that's an interesting one. I think I would say to them, be curious. Look for answers. Don't accept a story just because you hear it. Mm-hmm. But verify it. Because by verifying, then you can find that it's a true story and it has value. And I'd say, be curious about your history. Don't assume that you dropped out of the sky somewhere in some stalked baby diaper. That you do have a history. As an African-American, as a person of color, you have an extensive history in America. And you should emphasize the longevity of that history and the pride that you have in that history and look at your history as your legacy, not for yourself, but also for future generations. So be curious, ask questions, want to know more, seek knowledge. You know, only through knowledge and understanding can you gain wisdom. Only through knowledge and understanding can you under- can you know whether or not the story that somebody is telling you is a true story. A lot of stories have been woven for the African-American community by others. It's time for us to weave our own. And I don't mean Hollywood type stories. I'm talking about real family stories. So I think that have an interest in who your mother and your father's parents were. Know where they came from. They went through a lot of struggle for you to be here. And they sacrificed a lot for you to achieve what you did. They protected you, and they asked nothing more than you protect their legacy, their history, their ancestors. Okay. I could be nowhere without my ancestors. Mm-hmm. They, I am my ancestors' wildest dream. <laughs> if they did not pray and dream of a day of freedom, I would not exist. That's what I'd say. Okay, so in short, talk to one of your peers. If I were to talk to my peers, I'd say, stop hiding things. Stop avoiding things. You think by avoiding the fact of your ancestry, you can avoid 
your history. We hide a lot of things, I think. Some of the older people hide things. Don't want to talk about it. Don't want to remember it. White people don't do that. They will go back to Europe. Someone born here never saw Europe. Can go back to some village in Scotland or Ireland or England or wherever. They go back to some village where five, six, seven, eight generations resided. So maybe we can't go back to an African village per se. But if you know your DNA, at least you know you came from West Africa versus East Africa. You can know that you have maybe a better chance because you are a collection of all those African nations merged into one person. Took a lot of centuries to do that. Right. So don't be ashamed, and don't be ashamed of the word slave. I can't tell you. I don't use it when I write. I use captive because that's what we were captives. But I also understand sometimes you have to use the word slave because that's what's written in the history books. But the truth is, I'm not. I'm not not proud of being the descendant of a slave. This slaves built this this nation. This slaves fed the nation. The slaves did all of the menial tasks to make other people's lives easier. Right. So why should I use that term and be ashamed of it? I am not ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. So I say to my peers, stop treating the word slave like it's a dirty word. Mm-hmm. Treat it with respect and understanding that without that word, America would not exist. So, Martha, I want to thank you uh, for joining me on Old School Thoughts and sharing your thoughts. Uh, I'm sure the audience is going to learn a lot, reflect, and they're definitely going to send me some feedback. Well, Frank, without you, Old School and my rethinking of Old School would never have happened. I appreciate it's because, it's because of you. It's because of you and your your desire to just bring back the memories of old school that forced me, the curious, want to know it all, <laughs> to, look, to look deeper into what exactly old school is. It's nothing more than our heritage. It's a heritage at point in time. And our heritage goes deeper than just what I remember because embedded in our DNA, it's obvious that it goes back far, far in time than even we could have imagined. That's true. And and again, I appreciate you. and, And definitely, I would like to have you come back as a guest. Uh, I can't build this by myself. It requires, you know, support from any and everybody. And we all have something important to say. We all have something important to leave for the next generation or the next generations to hear. I thank you for inviting me, and it's been a pleasure just talking to you. So, 
to you and to all of my guests, I want to let you know that I love you. And, and until next time, be good. <laughs>